Yeah, it's something we've emphasized since the day we got here and continue to emphasize them with them in the pocket of, you know, always, always being ball aware in the pocket, having two hands on, being secure in your grip. Um, and, you know, that, that's one of the danger zones we talk about is in the pocket and the way he holds the football. We continue to emphasize that in the individual, continue to show him examples of good, bad. Um, you know, it happens. Quarterbacks, you get hit in the pocket, you're extended, you're ready to throw the football. Something happens from time to time. You know, we want to do everything we can in our power with the drill work, with just emphasizing, showing him good, showing him bad. He understands that, and, and that's something he's, he's working to uh, correct for himself as well. Um, but, yeah, it happens. It was very unfortunate. The, the unfortunate part in that game, at least, was there were two completely unforced. You know, we had a, we had a quarterback center exchange, and then we had one that just slipped out of our hand. Um, so those are really the disappointing ones. When it, when it happens in the pocket, it's going to happen from time to time. You, you want to do everything you can to not let that happen. But we understand that. But the, the two unforced were the ones that really, really hurt us. Do you all discuss changing your rain plan with him for the, for the next possible weather game like that? I mean, gloves, possibly, anything like yeah, that? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about anything that will help us. Um, so you know, we'll present the idea of possibly wearing gloves if that's something he wants. But Again, that you know, it's got to be the quarterback's got to be comfortable, or really the players in general have to be comfortable going into the game. And if that's something he feels comfortable with, then that's something we'll do. If he feels like that gives him the best ability to hold on to the football in situations like that, now I haven't been in many games that were like that in terms of just the amount of rain and all that. But um, yeah, we'll we'll explore all avenues to give us the best possible situation if that comes up again. How much does that just throw the game plan, uh, play calling plan sideways? You know. Yeah. Have that many turnovers. You don't, you know, you get 46 plays. Right. Which is, you know, probably 25 or 30 less than the normal game. Certainly, yeah. It definitely changes. Uh, you know, you got a lot of good plays on the call sheet that you want to get to, and you're just not able to when you get 46, 47 plays. Um, you know, you, you, you don't get to run the ball as many times as you want. You end up in different situations where it's a two minute and you're forced to throw the football. And so it definitely skews your numbers um, over the course of the game. How big was Jamal Agnew for you on Sunday, and, and do you think he's earned a role moving forward? Certainly, he he definitely stepped up. You know, uh, we Zay kind of battled through the week to see if we could get him ready to go. Um, ultimately, we just made the decision that it was best for for Zay and for the team to to get let Zay get healthy a little bit longer. Um, and part of that comes from we know what Jamal is and what he's capable of. So we had a lot of confidence that he and Tim Jones could step up and fulfill that role. And uh, you know, that kind of parts with a lot of different people. We have the backs, we have some versatile running backs, we have versatile tight ends that we feel like we can plug and play and kind of move things around if we need to. If a situation like that comes up where we have a guy that's kind of a day-to-day decision and ends up not making it, we have the pieces um, within our offense to be able to move around like that. But Jamal's certainly one of those pieces. The, the greatest thing about Jamal is his mental flexibility. We could tell Jamal the day of the game, hey, I need you to play X, and on this play I need you to play F, and that play I need you to play that. He can handle it. He's one of the smartest guys we have, communicates really, really well in the huddle, um, and he's going in the huddle with other smart guys. So he's able to talk with Marvin, Christian, Tim Jones, and they're kind of, there were a lot of times where you probably don't notice it, but they're switching positions, and you would never know that unless you knew exactly what our formation was called. But, you know, we have a lot of smart guys that give us the ability to do that, and, and Jamal's just one of those guys. What does flushing the game look like to you? I, I hear that term a lot, and I asked uh, Christian, and he said for him it's spending time with family. It's you know, getting his mind away, maybe playing golf. So from a coach's perspective, what is flushing the game look like? For us, um, you know, it's really you're, you're flushing game, but you're really just moving on to the next one. So no matter what, we tell our guys all the time when, when our meetings end at whatever time, 1230 or 2 o'clock on a Monday, 
that game's over and we're all about moving forward. Whether that was the best game we've ever played, the worst game we've ever played, we're going to spend Monday morning to learn our lessons from that, which when you win, you still have a lot of lessons to learn. And it's a little more fun to learn those lessons from that standpoint where you're watching a tape where you won the game. Um, but either way, you win and you move forward. Because Monday at 1 o'clock, or Monday at whatever time it is that the film ends, we are moving on and we got to put together a plan. we got to study our opponent, put together the plan of attack, and be able to learn that plan. So, so all our guys, win, lose, Monday at whatever time that is, we all move forward. So everybody, that's kind of that 24-hour rule that everybody talks about. But um, personally, I think when I get home at the end of the game, I'm still kind of processing. Probably when I lay in bed, I'm still kind of processing. But I got little kids. I got family at home. You know, it's pretty easy when you're home to be home. And um, your mind's kind of – there's probably always football in there at some point in time, especially in season. But, yeah, I don't really have a lot of problem uh, being there with my family when I am – when I do get the ability to be home. In terms of running the ball, I mean, what would you like to see you guys do just maybe become more efficient when you guys are running it? Um, you know, I, I think that's everything. That's putting ourselves in good situation to be able to run the ball. You know, you don't want to be in second and ten and have to run the football. Um, you may average four yards a carry there, but you're not getting what you need out of the runs there. So it's a matter of first and ten, of staying on schedule. That's a big part of it. We want to run the ball when it's second and three. That would be perfect. We'd be in second and three all day long. We'd call any play in our playbook, and we'd feel good about the results of the play. Um, so it, it kind of goes with everything. It's everybody finishing block. It's, it's um, maybe the quarterback getting us into the right run at the right time, us calling it in the right situation. So I think with anything, with execution, um, it, it's really kind of all goes together at all points in time of us understanding what we're trying to attack in that situation. The way they play first and 10 defense out of base is different than the way they play first and 10 defense out of nickel is the, different than the way that they defend second and 10. So it's kind of all those situations. It's, it's just our ability to put our guys in the best possible position, them understand why we're trying to do it, what we're trying to attack, and then everybody executing their job to the highest level. During training camp, you talked about you know, the importance of running game, the cohesiveness of really all these new pieces fitting together. Right. Are you seeing that as the season goes on, them you know, getting a little more gelled together? Yeah, I think so. And then as kind of game plans tend to get carried over and runs get carried over and we've got a little more time on task running this particular scheme or that particular scheme or maybe it's the exact same play we've been repping for three weeks. You just see guys get better and better and better. Um, they kind of build in that contingency plan of, all right, we worked it against this, now this is happening and how do we do this? And they just get better and better as they go. And again, we, we talked about it way back when, but it's week five, it needs to be better than it was in week four. So that's just kind of as we go in all aspects of our offense. What are you expecting moving forward from Gave you a nice little play there yeah. Sunday. I'm just, just wondering what, what kind of plan do you see for his uh, future here this season? Well, he's, he's got a skill set that we really want to be able to utilize. I mean, like a lot of our guys, you know, now there's only so many snaps that you can get so many guys on the field. But, uh, you know, guys that do the right thing or produce when they have the football, we're going to continue to find opportunities for those guys. And with him, you know, he was a late ad for us right before the season. It's kind of been piecemealing, he's learning game plans. He hasn't necessarily learned the offense, so he continues to learn game. But as you learn, and now you're on your fifth game plan, things start to make a little more sense to him. So he's getting a little bit more comfortable where he's kind of earning that trust if he can handle this. Now, to put him on the field and hand him the football, you're maybe not handing that one to TJ, or you're not handing that one to James, or you know any of our other guys. So there's kind of always a give and take, but you know a guy that gets his opportunity and produces with it, we're going to continue to try to find opportunities for. Your offense uses a lot of motions, uh, games, and everything like that. Just what, what kind of stress does that put on a defense, and how does it make it sort of maybe easier for a quarterback? Yeah, there, there's a number of different reasons you're using motion. Sometimes it is just purely to disguise the formation that we've been in a number of times to run one of our top concepts. 
Um, there's a number of times where it's giving the quarterback information or the receiver's information. There could be times where it doesn't really apply to the quarterback, but it's letting the receivers know potentially man zone, potentially who's covering me, who's covering him, how they're going to adjust. So then I, I kind of have this accelerated vision of how I'm going to run my route now. Um, and then there are times where it tells the quarterback all he needs to know. I know I have man, I know I have zone. When we, we pour over the film through the week, we try to find all these indicators we can. And so you try to utilize that any way, shape, or form. But the more we feel like we can force communication, whether that's just minimal communication or a wholesale changes out of the defense, we're going to try to do that. And then we also just want to protect our core stuff and make it look like something. Maybe it's just a matching a tendency. Like we have a couple runs where we, this is the motion we've done on this run. Well, can we just add it to this pass just to break a tendency? So it's kind of a wholesale self-scout type thing. And it's really a play-by-play -play basis, I think. And then just with, with Houston, uh, the defense isn't necessarily anything uh, crazy or, or or complicated, but just what did they present as far as a challenge for your offense? I think I think it's really probably, I mean, I don't know how it's rated. Or, I think it's an underrated defensive line. I think those guys, having been in the division last year, playing against them twice and coming out of those games, feeling like it's a talented young pass rush group. Um, and then you had Jerry Hughes, who's had a lot of production in this league for a long, long time. Uh, he does a great job. And I, I think they kind of, as they roll through guys, the, the edge players are pretty good. Grenard does a good job. Lopez is a great player. Malik Collins, all those guys. And then you add Mario Addison potentially back into the mix. I think it is a talented front that does a good job and can present a lot of problems. I know it's uh, questionable for this week, but uh, what is the cornerback, uh, his name just is Derek Singley. Derek Singley, thank you. Yeah. What, what does he present? What type of challenges does he present? He's a really good player. You know, you're the number three overall pick. Um, obviously, you have a lot of talent. And then you can see that they have a lot of confidence in him. He's, he's shadowed premier players in this league already. He's followed Mike Williams around. Um, and then, you know, he, he's a guy that can make plays on the ball. He's a guy that can be sticky in coverage. He's a big, physical, long player, uh, which just presents issues anytime the ball's thrown his way. He had a couple nice pass breakups uh, in the red zone against Indianapolis early on. That You just see his length. You see his confidence, the way he plays. And so adding him and then Petrie, the safety in the back end, they've done a good job to add some young players that, that really – and then going at Jerry Hughes, like I mentioned earlier, they've, they've done a great job of, uh, you know, kind of trying to build that defense up. Good. Good. Thank you. Thanks, guys.